God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So we have a lot to discuss. I think that the main topic for today is going to be the disinformation, please, the censorship. Uh, But also um, we're going to talk about the doxing that's been going on because... The doxing of the Supreme Court. Yeah. You know, Jen Psaki was asked by uh, Peter Ducey, Steve Ducey's son. Right. <laughs> I keep getting those two names mixed up. But, um, and he was asked, you know, what about these people? Are, are these people going to be considered, you know, a threat to the country? Yeah. And, you know, of course, you know, no, <laughs> that's not going to be the case. And it's just, you know, the double standard is right there, you know, for, for all to witness. And uh, it just, you know, it's it's everywhere you turn. And it's been going on like that for for as long as I can remember now. You yeah. Know? Uh, with, with uh, if you take a look at the Russian hoax and all these different things. I mean, we have no free press. We have two standards of justice. We have just an absolute collapse of our economy, our foreign policy is shot to heck. I mean, this is what you get when you have rigged elections. Today we're going to cover a piece that was on Tucker last night about um, rigged elections. This uh, uh, True the Vote uh, really did some great work on exposing this these free elections. We're nothing without free elections. Of course we're without not. Election you know, we're, we're, we're just like, uh, you know, the... Uh oligarchs and uh, and the dictatorships if we don't have free elections. Speaking of Jen Psaki, uh, there's going to be a new press secretary, the deputy 
Um, she's going to be Corinne uh, uh, Jean-Pierre um, on May 13th, I believe. We'll take uh, Jen Psaki's spot. And while I think Corinne Jean, uh, Jean-Pierre is very talented, I think she's a very good communicator. I do find it interesting that if once again she checks a whole bunch of boxes. <coughs> she's the first black sec- uh, press secretary. She's the first uh, black. Uh, she's the first um, openly gay press secretary, and she's also an immigrant. So it, you know, well, and you know, not what? which does not. None of that <laughs> negates her capability. I think she's actually quite capable and, and probably a lot better than Jen Psaki. But I'm surprised the new Supreme Court justice that Biden picked wasn't gay either. But he, he couldn't find, you know, a black woman to support to, to, to go on to the Supreme Court that, you know, no. was also gay, too. But, you know, Jen, uh, Nina Jankowicz is also gay. Right. It, it's sort of. And then there's the Levine guy that is. Rachel like Levine, yeah, the health. Uh, I yeah, forget the dude, title, but that there's a position is, in gay, the health is, sector is as masculine as I've ever seen. You know, I wish I had his jawline, <laughs> and um, you know, and the thing is, is that they're just gaslighting. It's they're they're, they're pulling a Netflix on us. It's almost as if the guy that, <clears throat> hey folks, it's almost as if <laughs> you're gonna love this. It's almost as if the guy who's on the board of Netflix is actually on the board of the White House. Does the White House have a board? No, but it has a puppet master, and that puppet master's name is Barack Hussein Obama. Or he's in the alumni network at best. I mean, the the guy that's pulling the strings in the White House is also pulling the strings over at Netflix, and Netflix has become the biggest joke in town for being woke. Well, Netflix has gotten so um, bad in terms of its uh, shareholder value. You know, the the viewership has gone down dramatically. And you know what the, the most popular shows are on Netflix? The old shows. Yeah, those are the most popular. But either either it's because Barack Obama is of a of a certain persuasion, you know, that's why he ended up with Michael. Um, but it's that or or that he's just he's just pulling a fast one on the American people. He's ta- he's attacking our religion. He's attacking our Judaic Christian values and insulting us, almost as if you know. On purpose, and it's sort of like when Simon Rushdie uh, attacked um, the Muhammad, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, Cat Stevens, who changed his name to Yusuf Islam, decided to uh, support a fatwa on Simon Rushdie's head. So it goes way back to that. That's 25 years ago, 30 years ago, that this intolerance. And again, it's this radical Islam that's aligned itself with this radical socialist view of intolerance um but we all know that barack obama comes from this intolerant uh, radicalization of islam and the quran and all this and i just think that there's a there's a tie-in there i might be reaching a little bit here because i'm just you know this is a theory this is not you know this is my own gut thought but the idea is that the guy that we had in the uh, white house for eight years infected our society and knew exactly how to change hearts and minds of his own flock. He didn't change my heart and mind. He didn't change your heart and mind, but he changed a lot of people's minds and getting them because these are sheep on the left. These are people that are like robots. They're zombies. They just do what they're told. They trust in the government so long as it's radical left. And they trust in this plan and mission because it's all about power for them. 
But I definitely think that this thin-skinned intolerance, you know, that's why they put up these barriers. You know, they're all about segregation and walls, right? They're all about that. And so, you know, they put up a wall and it's called political correctness. And Trump just, you know, stamped all over the wall, right? He just put that wall down. And he just basically took the political correctness wall and threw it out, crumpled it and threw it in Brian Stelter's face because he was like, this is nonsense. You're just trying to stymie three free speech. And now um, they're actually talking about uh, these attorney generals in Missouri and in uh, Louisiana are starting to uh, crack down. They got a lawsuit now and they're they're suing. Because the Democrat Party is using big tech to sen- to do their censor work for them. And I said to myself, you know, that's exactly what they did with Jim Crow. Jim Crow was unconstitutional. They couldn't pass Congress. It couldn't pass through the, the, the it couldn't pass the uh, litmus test of the Supreme Court. And it's, you know, in terms of constitutionality. So what do they do? What do they do? They issue these guidelines, just like COVID. COVID guidelines, CDC guidelines, right? And they got corporations to do their dirty work. Mm-hmm. So long as you got 70%, 70% was the magic number for COVID, right? But they were only talking about 70 cents from a dollars and cents perspective. Mm-hmm. Because the only way they were going to get corporate support, the only way they were going to get corporate support was if they got the numbers up so high that the corporations could take the risk of alienating 30% of their base and strong-arming them into compliance. And that was going to then lead to uh, a new world order that was going to lead to a new global system of social credit score systems and ultimate control and marketing and leverage to give corporations a leg up on their customer. It's a battle between you and the people you buy from now. And and the left has always been about segregation. They were the ones that supported it. They were the ones that invented segregation. They're the ones that invented the first class passenger seating, you know, separating society by economic schemes. You know, they've always been about this, uh, you know, elite, privileged, VIP. And anytime there's something that goes awry that goes against you know what they created themselves that they controlled like Elon Musk Elon Musk is a perfect example now they're talking about section 230 oh we want section 230 well you had like how many years before you you know had how many years did you have about section 230 you had a ton of years about section 230 you did nothing because it was helping you you just talked a lot but the censorship, then you called for more censorship. Saki was calling for more censorship. Then Mayorkas now hires this dwib. I mean, what is this person? This person... Nina Jankowicz. Nina Jankowicz. What? She, she is supposed to be a disinformation czar, but, that, you know, but people want her to explain what she put on her Twitter, her Facebook, etc. And, you know, because she, she's had a lot of stuff in the past which yeah. would be considered disinformation. Well, let's so. take a listen to Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley was upset with Mayorkas because Mayorkas didn't know and claimed he didn't know any of this and doesn't want to reveal any documentation about meetings, minutes, 
about what they were up to to put this thing together. But we know that what they're trying to do is use your conservative tax dollars. Mm -hmm. They're trying to use your conservative tax dollars to finance their propaganda machine and to stamp out your free speech at the same time Mm -hmm. in an election year. Think about how crazy that is. Think about how absurd that is. It's unbelievable. But they've been doing that kind of thing with Planned Parenthood for years. They would take conservative tax dollars. All they, you know, basically, they would take all the tax dollars and give five hundred million to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood would take a hundred percent of that money and give it back to Democrat politi- politicians. And it was this circulation, and they would give free perks to SEIU and other unions, you know, and they would buy their support. They literally, every vote that the Democrats get, they buy. Whether it's an illegal migrant or whatever it is, we're going to give you $450,000 to give you a nest egg and a startup, a leg up in, in America, right? That There was talk about that. How much money can you, you could buy every single vote, as long as you get 51%, you'll always remain in power. Why, they would do it if they could get away with it. That's why they cheat. So let's take a listen to, let's take a listen to this because this is just, um, just absolutely outrageous that Mayorkas, he's not this, he's, by the way, Mayorkas is not that dumb, but there was this picture, this video of Mayorkas sitting alongside Biden in 2015 mm-hmm. when Biden talked about you know, influx, changing the demographics so that we're a minority, a white minority country. And the thing is, is that nobody, nobody would have a problem with, with uh, demographics or multiculturalism if it happened organically, if that was just the natural course of, of, of life. But what they're doing is a social science experiment where they're injecting like social engineering and these things never turn out right mm-hmm. because we are organic. We're create, created by God. God has a plan, yeah. and not the government. But that's again, that's what, what that's what they're doing. They're indoctrinating. They're they're um, like Obama. He's spitting all over the fabric of our society because he wants to replace God with government. He wants to place uh, power. Uh, he wants the government to be the almighty power and and not God. You know, I was listening to uh, one of my favorite um, people, uh, wrestling coach from Penn State, Kale Sanderson, and he was. I was watching this interview. It was just benign. He was just being interviewed, and he said, "Well, what's most important to me is my God and my family, and then you know, of course, wrestling and and my my job and everything else." But you know, I just thought about that for a second. I thought, you know. Biden Biden and, and, and the liberals would hate to hear that because they're never going to be able to control that person so long as they have uh, their love and fam- love of God and family come first. Th- that comes first. Everything else is secondary from that. And, and at that point, you've lost control of that person. And that, just it's very simple, folks. You know, it's, it's crystallized. You can crystallize this stuff. But let's take a listen to Josh Hawley. And then we got Ted Cruz also. These are going to be like minute and something clips. But let's take a listen. Wow, that's, that's exceptional. Particularly given that you told me just a few minutes ago in our earlier round that you weren't aware 
of the many comments that I read to you then, one after another, after another, after another, when you hired her for this job. So clearly you didn't do your due diligence, and now you're telling me that you're not concerned about her, frankly, outrageous and vitriolic statements that are partisan in the extreme. Because I can't believe I'm hearing this. Let, let, me, let me share with you uh, something. She was hired by the Department of Homeland Security. You said that you're responsible for that. I am the Secretary of Homeland Indeed. Security. Indeed. And therefore, I bear responsibility. Indeed. Why don't you fire her? And so I am going, she is going to execute her responsibilities in a nonpartisan way and accomplish the mission for which she has been hired. Why don't you just dissolve this board? I mean, you haven't heard a single senator support this board. It is an abomination. It is unconstitutional. And frankly, it is embarrassing. And the fact that you've chosen this person to lead it is appalling. Why don't you just dissolve it? Senator, this board, this working group, provides a very important function. No, it doesn't. We have have been executing our mission to address disinformation that threatens the security of the homeland for years. So what does this board add? Dissolve it. So allow me to answer your question. We have lacked sufficient guardrails, policies, and standards to guide that work to ensure that that work which has been done for nearly 10 years, is done in a way that does not infringe on people's right of free speech, okay. right of privacy, I hear you. Okay. rights and civil liberties. Okay. And, and that's what this working group okay. is going to do. They're going to put the guardrails in place. So, just so we understand, you have chosen Ms. Jankowitz, who says that the distinction between free speech and censorship is false who says that the president's supporters are homegrown purveyors of disinformation, who has called herself the Mary Poppins of misinformation. You've chosen her to create guardrails for the entire federal government for free speech. Senator. I mean, that's exceptional. Senator. That's amazing. I mean, the Mary Poppins of misinformation. I mean, I think think this is amazing because this is a person who – you know, has written on her own social media. Um, she's propagated uh, disinformation in her own right. And, you know, and, and you, when Josh Hawley, when Senator Hawley was questioning Mayorkas, uh, Secretary Mayorkas about this, he, he couldn't give a substantiated answer. Yeah, right. He couldn't explain yeah. why he can't just fire this person or make this person accountable. And why would you have made such a choice? I mean, we talk about the litmus tests for positions. When you see, for example, what people go through to become a Supreme Court justice or even what they go through to become a secretary or be in an, a, 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 an official high-ranking position, you've got this person who right out of the gate is already disqualified because she has done disinformation herself. Right. Here's another clip. This is where he starts quoting some of the quotes. Here's another selection out of many I could have chosen from her book, a book she wrote, also published in 2020. She says this, quoting, The president's supporters in Congress are homegrown purveyors of disinformation. These would be the people that that people in my state, for instance, have elected. They do not want to remind the American people of these inconvenient truths. They choose instead to shout lies through a megaphone capitalizing on their constituents' unfamiliarity, ambivalence, or polarization. Let's just, one more time. The president's supporters in Congress are homegrown purveyors of disinformation. Does this sound like somebody who's neutral to you? Um, Senator, um, let me share with you that I am 
not focused on her past comments. I am focused on. Wait, wait a minute. Why in the world wouldn't you be focused I, on her if, past comments? If, if I may, because I am focused on the mission um, upon us and ahead of us. And what I've already. You've hired her for this job and you haven't looked at her record and you're not concerned not, about it? That's not what I've said. That's you just said, said that you're not concerned about her past comments. But what I said is I am focused on the mission ahead and accomplishing that mission. You've that chosen her to accomplish that mission with these statements. Do you regard her as neutral? And she has an obligation while an employee of the Department of Homeland Security to execute. So her you have complete confidence in her to execute her responsibilities in a nonpartisan way. And you based on her record, you have complete confidence that she's going to do that. I have confidence in that. And if she fails um, in executing that obligation, as all individuals in the Department of Homeland Security wow. do, has, then there will be a consequence to that. Wow, that's, that's exceptional, particularly given that you told me just a few minutes ago in our earlier round that you weren't aware of the many comments that I read to you then, one after another, after another, after another, when you hired her for this job. So clearly you didn't do your due diligence, and now you're telling me that you're not concerned about her, frankly, outrageous and vitriolic statements that are partisan in the extreme. Because I can't believe I'm hearing this. <laughs> hey, caller, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Hey, Morris Scott. Yeah. You know, the, uh, my, my first question to him would have been, uh, oh, what is this mission that you speak of, and who put you on that mission? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Who gave you that mission? Yeah. And, and you say that you've been doing this work for 10 years. What work have you been doing? Yeah, I agree. Well, why don't these senators ask these questions? Yeah, well... <laughs> They, <laughs> the same reason why they don't ask the questions of Hunter Biden. It's I don't I don't understand the right wing or the Republicans in the Senate. Uh, they just don't seem to. Uh, they just seem to want to play between the twenty yard hashtags. You know they they don't really want to score touchdowns. No one wants to, no one wants to win in Washington. They just want to pass the hat around and put their hand in it in the cookie jar and take money out. That's all it is. Uh, I, I, I mean, what do we do, Scott? How do we how do we get rid we of We need to people? start winning elections, and we need to start electing the right individuals. And I've been talking about, say, J.D. Vance. Although, right now, <laughs> I'm going to be J.D. Vance's supporter because uh, he's got to be Tim Ryan. You know, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, in any case, well, you know, that's I, what, I mean, it is what it is. I don't see how we're going to... I don't see how we can how we can expect a, I, a, a a political solution to solve a political problem. We need to expose truths, and we need to think outside of the box, and we need to be good analysts. And that's what I do every day. That's what I'm trying to do every day. I need a bigger audience, of course. You know, it's one of those things where you just do what you can do, and that's it. Everybody needs to do what they can do, and. I think as an aggregate, we can make a difference. You know, I will say this right now. I read this one uh, piece, and it was very, very uh, refreshing to see that corporations uh, are looking to Disney and what happened to Disney, and they're starting to panic. Um, There's a really good um, piece where uh, they're basically very concerned. You know, you don't see, for example, corporations weighing in too much on this abortion thing, you know, on SCOTUS and on Roe v. Wade, because they have alienated enough uh, their their client base. There's only so much 
financial hemorrhaging BlackRock and Vanguard can sustain before they themselves start to collapse like China. China's big, but China's a, a house of cards built on sand. And they're limited as to what they can can do. And I think that the pressure that's going on against it, them is is having a significant toll. I think, um, sorry, I think the most, uh, for me, the most frustrating aspect of this whole question about the censorship and all that and this myorcus is, is nobody is asking him to, to, to provide proof. Show us the evidence of, of what you're talking about, you know? What, what, Nobody's what, asking for that. Showing the evidence of what he's talking about, about what? About when he said that uh, uh, cartels can use misinformation for, for uh, I don't know, whatever world oh, they're that's, doing. Oh, that's and, all baloney. Uh, Come you know, on. It's, it's baloney. This is all about censorship. This is all yeah, about uh, using your tax dollars of, to censor to, to, to pay for their propaganda and to censor your voice. At the same time, like these supposed, like these supposed magical, uh, uh, influential Russian ads that ran on Facebook that got Trump elected. I mean, we're—I never saw an example of any of that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here it is. Uh, so Christopher Rufo writes this: "The game has changed. Executives saw what we did to Disney and have changed their risk calculations. The pushback against woke capital." is starting to deliver results. So there was a, um, a big uh, write-up in, um, in uh, I think it was CNBC. It says, major companies, include, including Disney and Walmart, keep largely silent as leaked Supreme Court abortion draft sparks outrage. So what he's basically saying is, we are making a difference. Yeah. So to answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then thank you for calling yeah. in. I, I got a lot of clips right. to run, play, and we're going to run out of time. Yeah. Okay. Thanks All right, for take, taking my call. All take right, care. take care. Yeah. Now, Christopher Rufo's done a lot about CRT and bringing, bringing that to the forefront. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And so here, you know, I'm going to go ahead and um, we, have a, we have a lot of All right, just start playing things. them. So I want to play uh, this, this clip related to... Uh, Related to the subject that we're talking about, Nina Jankowicz. This is her a few years back. She has Bryn Mawr on yeah, her. Yeah, that's why I looked up that she went to Bryn Mawr. <laughs> so what's the Catherine Hepburn thing? Because we uh, have a family member that went to Bryn Mawr. We have a family member who went to Bryn Mawr, yeah. So but basically, I went to Bryn Mawr. I got into Bryn Mawr. Do, 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 no, I did the ham it up. I, I got into Bryn Mawr by the skin of my teeth, and by the skin of my teeth I stayed, and it was the best darn thing I ever did. <laughs> I, I, may have, I may have some of those words oh, that's, wrong, but that's, that's so close perfectly. enough. And actually, yeah, and when my uh, when that family member was a student there, that family member did ha- was for fortunate enough to see Miss Hepburn speak. I got into Ken Bryn Mawr by the... Do it again. <laughs> oh, God. I got into Bryn Mawr by the skin of my teeth, and by the skin of my teeth I stayed, and it was the best darn thing I ever did. <laughs> uh, again, she's an American with... A, you know, it's so funny between uh, Catherine Hepburn and uh, Grace Kelly, these two women associated with Philadelphia who have the, who did the Philadelphia story, won the, uh, the, the, the drama and won the well, musical. They both had these affected accents that made them almost okay, sound like they so were British. So this is our truth czar right here. Here, right yes. now, this is not a person uh, that I would want to have as my ambassador to Brimoire. Okay, but she's wearing a Brimoire shirt right here. Yeah, uh, but let's take a listen. One of my uh, my other goals is eventually to get my yoga teacher certification. Um, I think this is a long way down the road because I feel like 
I still have a lot to learn as a yoga student, but that is somewhere in the future. I would say within the next five years, maybe even three years, I will go down that road because I just feel the need to share my love of yoga with the world. Well, thank you so much for being here, Nina. It's been really, really awesome. Thanks for having me, Matt. Um, I really love this video series, and it's been a pleasure to be here and talk with your lovely viewers, who I hope to see in Google Reader and on my Facebook page and commenting on my blog in the future. I hope. I hope. Please. Thank you. <laughs> One of my... <laughs> She's just like wackadoodle well that was right. a, well that was a while ago but not that long but ago. no but but here, here here's ago. the thing you know what i say to nina I mean, she's post-college you know you I know mean, what i say yeah you know what i say to nina jankowitz she's only she's only like 32 or something what i say to nina jankowitz is you should you should have stayed with yoga it sounds like you yeah. had a handle on well, that let's take a you don't have a handle on disinformation now let's listen to some things that she said that was actually even more important than that critical race theory has become one of those hot button issues that uh, the Republicans and, and other, you know, disinformers um, who are engaged in disinformation for profit, frankly, there are plenty of, you know, media outlets that are making money off of this too, have, have seized on. And I live in Virginia uh, and in Loudoun County, that's one of the areas um, where people have really honed in on this topic. <laughs> critical race theory has become one of those hot button issues that uh oh, that was a short clip that just looped it just loops yeah. again uh, so so Kater writes this naming weirdo lunatic nina jankowicz as disinformation czar is like putting colonel sanders in charge of chicken safety <laughs> <laughs> oh that was a good one guess right? he's coming to dinner uh, you know uh, but uh um so uh Here's here's another clip of her. This is her at Penn. Penn. Remember Jonathan Gruber? Yeah. We're going to depend on the stupidity of the American voter. To, to, we tortured the bell. You know, yeah. all this, that, and the other, right? Yeah. You know, these Ivy League um, poop for brains. <laughs> all right, all right. I just can't stand them. You know, they're just ivory tower little morons, you know? I just can't stand it. I it just it's something that really has bugged me for a long time. But let's take a listen to Nina Zankowicz. That's false or misleading information um, that uses gendered tropes. So it might be, for instance, this is a big one that we tracked in the report. Kamala Harris slept her way to the top. Or it might be uh, that uh, Jacinda Ardern, another one that we found, is actually a man. So uh, we might see um, racist tropes about uh Name it. I mean, Ilhan Omar is a is a favorite for this sort of racist sexual rhetoric that's compounded. The idea that she married her brother to immigrate. Yeah, she did marry her brother to yeah. enter. She did break our immigration laws. Kamala Harris did sleep her way to the top. Yes, right. great to the United States, for instance. But then we see racialized <laughs> narratives, things like. Kamala ain't black. Hashtag Kamala ain't black is, is one that we tracked. Um, things that are saying that she's not black enough, she's not South Asian enough to claim that heritage. Same thing goes against AOC. Nice. So, so rather than write the word bitch, they will use an exclamation point instead of an I. Or they will use visual memes to avoid textual detection. So one of the things that I get pretty frequently as a woman in my 30s without children is I get sent pictures of empty egg cartons, which are meant to remind me that my fertility is waning. That uh, those same narratives about Kamala Harris, about other candidates, about uh, women in general in the West were echoed in domestic Russian disinformation. I don't know. 
What can you say? Well, about but you, this? but again, this is the woman who said that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, and nobody has really from the left has has called her on that. So Trump girl writes this. She says, "The Biden administration is setting up a ministry of truth to tell you that this isn't a dude." And they got a picture of Rachel Levine, right, and looking pretty masculine. Yeah. To boot. Let's take a listen to Senator, Senator Cruz on this subject. We've got limited time. So, sure. so should the government be censoring and regulating the speech of American citizens, yes or no? So that's a complex philosophical question. Obviously, oh, we believe Buddha in free judge, speech, yeah. but uh, as you know, uh, you're, you don't have the right to yell uh, fire in a crowded theater. If you regard that as the government regulating speech, then, then I suppose uh, you would have to agree the answer. Should the government silence voices that are politically inconvenient and that it disagrees with? As a matter of course, in our domestic politics, of course not. So why is the Biden administration creating a board to do that? I believe this is based on the awareness that misinformation and disinformation is used as a weapon against the So was the Hunter Biden laptop misinformation? I'm not familiar with all of the details of those stories. What I know is that Russia, notably, and other players, too. Except it wasn't Russia. It's an accurate laptop. Now the New York Times has acknowledged that after the, the election, and yet... The head of this uh, disinformation board happily pushed out that it was disinformation, that that is a code word for things that are politically inconvenient. Let's try. He makes a great point. Yeah. Right? And how about the Russian hoax? How about the Ukrainian call? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. All these things. How about January 6th? That we got limited time. Know, so uh, so should whoops. the government. Whoops, 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 whoops. So, uh, yeah, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's crazy stuff. Um. Oh, here. Oh, so let's see. Um, this is this is an interesting uh, video clip here or audio clip. This is where codifying Roe v. Wade. Uh, this uh, Twitter account says uh, Maze Moore says codify Roe v. Wade is right up there with no more kids in cages and we're going to shut down the virus. So. This was uh, the Democrats' montage of them saying they wanted to codify Roe v. Wade. Well, how, how, how do you like that? Roe v. Wade is done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, I have a really great uh, expo- explanation on that. I made sure we guaranteed a woman's right to choose for a better part of a generation. I would make sure that we move and insist that we pass, we codify Roe v. Wade. And so I would not pack the court. We will send a bill to Congress to make sure that we codify Roe v. Wade. As such, the president is committed to codifying Roe, uh, regardless of the unrelated, it's all related. When we go back to Washington, we will be putting Roe v. Wade codification on the floor of the House. Well, there are many ways to codify Roe v. Wade, um, and, and that is something the president remains committed to. I don't have a new assessment of our support for the piece of legislation. We are still reviewing uh, what our options are. Roe v. Wade, we haven't been able to codify it because we never had a Democratic pro-choice majority with a Democratic president. Again, September 2021. And now we do. Haven't uh, I, I didn't see any of the debate today, uh, just the presentation today, and uh, I support Roe v. Wade. I think it's a rational position to take. 
Now, now Biden's been all over this issue, number one. Yeah, he definitely has. If you go back and you listen to what he said 30 years ago, what he said about 15 years ago, he he actually was more moderate. You know, for a Democrat, he was more moderate on the abortion Hmm. issue. How about Ruth sent us? So they want to dox all these SCOTUSes, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's Um, that's based on a a fallacy because Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg was uh, has been on the record as saying that Roe was flawed. So Justice. Ginsburg spoke out saying Roe was faulty law. Yeah. Casual observers of the Supreme Court who came to the law school to hear Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg speak about Roe v. Wade, likely expecting a simple message from the longtime defender of reproductive and women's rights. Roe v. Roe was a good decision, is what they're trying to, that they expect. Those more acquainted with Ginsburg and her thoughtful, nuanced approach to difficult legal questions were not surprised, however, to hear her say just the opposite, that Roe was a faulty decision. So we could actually uh, take a listen to this real clip right here. Roe was argued. Right here. was argued. It was going to be argued as a privacy case. A privacy case. A women's rights case. Ginsburg has offered two critiques of Roe. One of them is that the, the court went too far. It should have been much more modest in what it invalidated. So these are Ginsburg's critiques, but yeah. this guy is speaking because Ruth was late in her years and yeah. basically had trouble getting her sentences out, right? So this guy is a scholar. He, he's summarizing. Yeah, he's summarizing what you, and she's sitting right there. She's in front sitting of right there. He's just summarizing yeah. it for the audience. All that's right, all. So let's take a listen. Always argued. It was going to be argued as. A privacy case, not as a women's rights case. Ginsburg has offered two critiques of Roe. One of them is that the, the court went too far. It should have been much more modest in what it invalidated. It should have invalidated the Texas statute and not gotten into all the other questions that the opinion got into about the first trimester and second trimester and when the state can regulate abortion and when it can't regulate abortion. It should have simply said it's unconstitutional for the state to prohibit abortion except to save the life of the mother, and we don't decide anything else about what other restrictions might or might not be constitutional. Leave that for another day. Interestingly, given that it was seven Republican-appointed justices and, and three of the four Nixon justices, was extremely activist, right? This was a very activist opinion. And so that's one, one criticism. And the other criticism is that the court wrote an opinion that was less focused, indeed not at all focused, on what Justice Ginsburg believes should have been the core issue which is the rights of women to control their own lives, and instead writes this opinion in, in much more ways that are, that are removed from that as the, as the core question. Because I know one of the things you've said many times and, and recently is that it mattered that Roe went as far as it did in a negative sense. It's not just that as a matter of taste, you would have rather have seen the, the court be incremental rather than bold. We have paid a huge price because the court made the decision to be that activist, that aggressive, that bold in taking on the entire issue of abortion as opposed to writing a much narrower opinion with a much more limited effect. If you to talk a bit about, about how you see the, the effect of the Roe decision on the polity and on what's happened in this country over the last 40 years. This decision, this most undemocratic decision by nine um, justices who nobody elected to make policy for the country, that charge, that, that what a, a great organizing tool it is. You have a name, you have a symbol, Roe v. Wade, you can aim at that. This decision was made not 
in the ordinary democratic process, but by these nine unelected men. So that's that's pretty interesting, right? It's pretty interesting. And, no. you know, and it's also interesting that a number of those people were Republicans and they were being activists, which was showing what the fervor that was going on in the 70s. Yeah. So this was in response to a group calling itself Ruth Sent Us, it's soiling Ruth Bader Ginsburg's name. Listen to what Justice Ginsburg actually said. So we just heard that. Um, Tucker Carlson had a really great uh, a, a thing on this. And I frankly... If you asked me before all this went down, you know, to talk about Roe v. Wade, I wouldn't know much about Roe v. Wade. I just didn't pay that close attention it's to it. It's intricate. You kind of have to yeah. really under, so, understand, so, go into, delve into the details. So I found this very interesting because Tucker put together a really good piece, as he always does. And uh, let's just take a listen to this. It's hard to think of a topic in American life that's more divisive than abortion. Abortion's in the news today, obviously, but most Americans, no matter where they stand on it or how passionately they feel about it, don't really want to talk about it because it's just too painful. So with that in mind, for once tonight, we're going to open this show with an issue that unites all of us, and it's democracy. Everybody in America is for democracy. Democracy is the basis of our political system. Both parties support democracy strongly. They often say so. And of course, the alternative to democracy is bad. It's tyranny, and nobody's for that. So it's heartening to learn that preserving democracy is the main idea, really the only idea, behind Justice Samuel Alito's draft opinion on the Roe v. Wade decision. Virtually everyone in the country has heard about Alito's 98-page opinion since it was leaked on Monday night to Politico. And yet at the same time, for all the talking about it, almost nobody seems to have any idea what is in it. Nobody's actually read it. Partisans on television keep describing Sam Alito as a hater, somebody who just hates women and hates rights. A sadist whose only pleasure is extinguishing human freedom and happiness, both of which, of course, are predicated on abortion. That's what they're saying about Alito. Now, we're not familiar with Sam Alito's soul, so we can't confirm or deny this other way. But we can tell you, having actually read his opinion, that there is no hint of any of this in what he has written. In fact, there's not even an attack on abortion. He could be pro-choice for all we know. Samuel Alito merely argues that Americans have the right to vote on how abortion is regulated. And for nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade has prevented voters from doing that. It has taken that right from them. That's it. That's the sum total of the supposedly controversial opinion by Samuel Alito. And if you don't believe it, here's how that opinion concludes. Quote, the Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and the Casey decision abrogated that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives, end quote. Now, as a factual matter, not that facts seem to matter too much, but if you cared about them, you couldn't really argue with that claim because the Constitution does not, in fact, prohibit American voters from banning abortion, or for that matter, does not prohibit American voters from legalizing abortion because the U.S. Constitution doesn't mention abortion or allude to it in any way. And anyone who claims that it does, as the Roe decision claims, is lying to you. Read the document for yourself. It's online. So why exactly is everybody so mad at Samuel Alito? It's strange because what Alito is proposing here is the very definition of democracy. We've got a bitter disagreement, in this case over abortion. Both sides have a case to make. They can take that case to the public. In the end, the public gets to decide who's right by voting on it. That's called self-government. 
Since when is that scary? Well, since one side decided that self-government is too risky and had to be eliminated. Now, they couldn't say this out loud, of course, because as we told you, the alternative to democracy is tyranny and no one can be for tyranny. So instead, they played yet another word game because that's always how it starts. They inverted the definition of the word democracy to mean exactly the opposite of what democracy has meant for thousands of years since Athens. In Washington at this point, the word democracy now means we're in charge of everything. Shut up. That's almost exactly how they're defining democracy. This morning's Washington Post carried this headline, which as usual doesn't seem real, yet Israel, quote, in draft abortion ruling, Democrats see a court at odds with democracy <laughs> because letting people vote on things is now, quote, at odds with democracy. It's hard to believe anybody could say this with a straight face, but Joe Biden can say anything with a straight face. Just today, Biden declared that people who insist on voting for things are not only wrong, they're the single greatest threat facing the United States. People who still believe in yesterday's understanding of democracy, where they have power, are more dangerous, Joe Biden said, than Al-Qaeda, the Weather Underground, even the Nazi Party. These people are terrorists. And you know what we do to terrorists? Watch. This is about a lot more than abortion. What happens if you have a state changes the law saying that, that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that, is that legit under the way the, the decision is written? Actually, what happens is if somebody in that state voted that way, guess what would happen? Mm -hmm. It would then be contested in the Supreme Court yeah. and ruled against the Constitution. Yep. And you know it would be ruled uh, based on the Constitution, I yeah. should say. And it would either you know be uh, like an umpire, strike balls and strikes. Yeah. It would either pass the litmus test of being constitutional or not. Right. And what he just talked about would likely not be constitutional. Therefore, at the end of the day, the Supreme Court would then get a chance to weigh in on whether a law is constitutional or not. Yeah. Not a belief. Not a not a piece of speech. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Let's continue. What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex organization that's existed in American history. Bull. So everything about that is a lie. Hard to believe that's the president of the United States. Of course, it's not a decision. It's an opinion. And that opinion says explicitly this reasoning applies only to Roe versus Wade and abortion. And it should not be construed as applying to anything else. It says that flat out. If you read it, you would know that. He didn't, clearly. So what he said is a lie. But here's the line that you should never forget. And we're quoting. This maggot crowd, which is, say, the tens of millions of people who voted for Donald Trump, is really, we're quoting, the most extreme political organization that has existed in history. In history, all human history, which is to say, worse than Hitler, worse than Stalin, worse than Mao. It's hard to believe he's talking about tens of millions of American citizens, but he is. And you should know that no American president ever has talked about his own people like this or even considered talking about his own people like this. It is shocking that any president would, and he just did. Wow. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and take a uh, caller here in just a moment. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, good morning, Scott and Leonardo. I hope you're both fine, and I hope everything is okay with both of you. 
Oh, thank Linda you. Julie. Yes, and same to you. Same to you. From Pennsylvania. You know, they, they let that word MAGA roll out of their tongues in a piercing way, as if we're, we're some form of evil, terrorists. Well, let's, let's, I think it's time for us to give them a name, because they are traitors. So let's, let's give them a name like CAT, C-A-T, Certain American Traitors, because they're different from Democrats. They're different from Libertarians. These people are just plain traitors, and we need to call them something as piercing as like cats, because it, we have to give it right back to them, because we are not terrorists. <laughs> just a thought. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. Is there any... Yeah. A- anything else you'd like I, to add? I, we do. No, I just think we have to give them a name. Um, because if, if they want to call us terrorists, they're traitors. All right. Plain and simple. We have to fight back because we can't stand for oh, this. Oh, absolutely. This is, Thank this you. Is, no, anyway, so please have a good day, and, and I hope you're you're getting healthier. All right. Thank you, Julie. Take Thank care. Thank you. All yeah, right. Take care. All right, we have the best callers. And, um, you know, so uh, I wanted to switch topics, actually, and talk about election integrity, because that's how we got here. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's no way, you know, Tim Ryan made it very, very clear. Uh, I just love that clip where Tim Ryan is basically out there. And, you know, uh, he says this. I love Biden. Will you invite President Biden to come campaign for you? Look, we welcome everybody's support, um, but I will be the face of this campaign. I don't think, you know, sur- surrogates are going to play a huge role here. Bye. <laughs> so J.D. Vance is going against Tim Ryan now, right, for the Senate seat in Ohio. And I thought it was really, really funny. And, you know, there's a great article that I'm posting up on my social media from The Federalist. It says, J.D. Vance and the new right are racking up wins while the establishment stabs at their backs. So, you know, we heard uh, that uh, Trump was, um, you know, 55-0 and 0 this season with his, his Trump picks. A- a- absolutely. And, and he even picked J.D. Vance, who didn't, you know, was an Evan McMullen, Mitt Romney guy. And he was very anti-Trump uh, way yeah, back when. Yeah. And so, you know, kudos to Trump for picking the right people that can absolutely. win. Absolutely. And frankly, I think Trump's right about, you know, as much as I don't like J.D. Vance, and everybody knows that, and I'm not waffling here, but... As much as that's the case, I don't think any of the other candidates had the name recognition because they just didn't get the job done. They didn't. But they didn't have the Mandel and uh, Dolan, uh, those two other candidates, did not have the name recognition to beat a guy like Tim Ryan. And Tim Ryan's from Youngstown, and he's a pretty popular senator for the Democrats. Uh, He's a bit of a moderate. Yeah. uh, Tries to be. Um, But in any case, I would take J.D. Vance over over uh, Tim Ryan any day, right? So there's that. But we got we to gotta start winning elections. We absolutely need and to start so winning elections. It starts with that um, because we know that the Democrats are chameleons. There's another article that I tried to get to yesterday. It's by Victor Davis Hanson. It says, losing the people then, cha- then changes the rules. The left sees success only through altering the rules of governance or changing the demo, demo, uh, demography. Demo, what is that word? Demography. Demography. Demography of the uh, of the electorate. That's the word. Oh yeah, demographics, or both. All right. So um, 
Basically, court packing, the attempt to enlarge the size of the Supreme Court, uh, used to be a dirty word in the history of American jurisprudence. Now they just want to change the rules. If you don't like the SCOTUS, you change the rules. You just right. change it. You just change and it. And so that's what they do with COVID, with the election yeah. uh, election fraud. So I have this piece um, that's, that I wanted to get to, if we have time. And it's, it's uh, yeah, we have time. Okay. We have time. So we're going to take a listen to... Uh, uh, True the Vote, Catherine Engelbrecht. Let's take a listen to this. Sure. So in the 2020 election, there were drop boxes put in place at, at a scale that had never before been seen. There were a lot of promises made about surveillance video being attached to all the drop boxes and, and standards being enforced, but none of that really happened on scale. And so what we, well, right. so what we decided to do was uh, basically geofence. It's sort of a, a digital way to put a, a net around each Dropbox, and then wanted to find out if, if, a, phone, if a phone, if, if individual devices crossed through that net, uh, really what, what turned out to be an extraordinary number of times. Over the five states and the five jurisdictions that we studied, in order to make our, our, the level of study, the average number of Dropbox visits was 38. 38 Dropbox visits into the, you know, and, by the way, also including um, the visits to the nonprofit organizations. So there's definitely a pattern here. And then increasingly now, as we're seeing video come out, we're able to match the, the Dropbox pings with the video. And you see it for yourself. When you can match those in the states that had video, uh, you see people stuffing in ballots. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting what she's what she's talking about. Just before we uh, leave Dodge, as Scott likes to say, um, get I just, out of Dodge. Get out of Dodge. Okay, I, I botched that. But in any event, I just want to mention that um, I do have a piece that is going to be or or is, excuse me, in the print issue of the American Spectator. It's a review of Shimon uh, Lee, who's a professor at o- Old Dominion University, Scott's alma mater, and it's about a book called Ch- China Inc. and it's about how Chinese uh, China's communist uh, Party has enabled China to have advantages over uh, over the West in its trade deals. So that book review is currently in the print magazine, and it will be online in a few weeks. And if anybody is interested in getting a print issue, just write to feed, uh, feedback at redstatetalkradio.com, and I will send you a free issue of the magazine and my article. How do they write to to you? They should write to us at feedback at redstatetalkradio dot com. Okay, yeah, that's and good. then I will, and then we, will, and then I will send them in, send them a copy of the magazine. All right. Okay. Well, that's great. Yeah. It's great to have you today. Yeah, it's great and, to be uh, here too. Uh, we always like it when Leonora is on. We wish we get you on more, but you're a busy, busy person. So, woman. We're going to say woman today. It's you're okay. A I'm I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me roar. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to The Scott Adams Show. And uh, be sure to check out magapac.org to support America First uh, policies that make America great again. And also, if you want My Patriot Supply foods, now more than ever, you can go to My Patriot Supply. It's mps.scottadamshow.com. That's mps.com. Dot scottadamshow.com that gets you to our my uh, my patriot supply page to order the, these types of products i hear baby foods on a shortage also um, be sure to use red state as your promo code over at mypillow.com 
And with that, uh, my name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Cabrera. We'll see you next time on the radio. Goodbye, everybody. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.